Philippians chapter 1, last week we were talking about Paul's perspective. And we talked about last week, we talked about having joy in the midst of trials. You know, Paul's going through, uh, he's in prison and he don't know if he's going to get out. The Philippians are worried about whether whether or not he's going to get out, what's going to happen to our church. Paul is, uh, you know, Paul is really important to the Philippians. And so, you know, if he goes down, you know, it's a, it's a good chance he could get executed here in prison. Um, if he goes down, what's going to happen to us? And uh, Paul Paul showed us last week that there's three things that we do, and we don't never back up from those three things. We, we're a witness wherever we're at. He was a witness there. We're an example to the brethren. We're an encouragement to the brethren wherever we're at, even if you're in prison in Rome. I don't know if any of y'all probably won't ever be in prison in Rome, but doesn't matter where you're at, what job you're in, what you know circumstances you're in. You're called to be a witness. You're called to be an encouragement to the brethren, and you're called to honor God, honor Christ with your body. It don't matter if you're waiting on a new job, if you're waiting for something to happen to your family. We talked about all that last week. And so what we're going to see today is we're going to see the same kind of mindset that Paul has as he's in prison. He's going to explain it to us a little bit more. He's going to he's going to show us those things. But what I want to say is we start before we even get into that. Last week I left and I, I thought, you know, it, I might have made Paul sound like kind of a superhero. You know, I might have made him sound like he was he, he's the man and we sure we sure need to be like him because he's he's stronger than we are and he's greater than we are. And he is he is the one that we should be modeling ourselves after. And it, it's a good thing. He was an apostle of Christ. And so, you know, he is an example for what we are, what we should be. But there's a there's something that I need to get in right here, right as we go into the next few verses of, of Philippians, is that you, if you were saying, you know, Paul's in jail and he's suffering, he's beaten, shipwrecked, stoned, you know, all these things have happened to him and he still stood fast for Christ. I'm just looking at my heart. I'm looking at my mind. I know my personality. I just don't think I'm that strong. I don't think that I'm, I don't think I'm able to do something like that. I'm not, I just don't know how Paul did it. I don't, I, I'm not, I, I'm looking at my own heart and I know my own heart and I'm pretty sure you know yours. And I'm thinking I, I'm not as strong as him. Why was Paul so much stronger than I am? Is Paul so much stronger than I am? The answer to that question is yes, but no. The answer is yes and no, because maybe he is stronger than you and I are. But the reason that he is stronger than you and I are is because he knows where his power comes from. And he's going to tell us that right here. We're going to make sure that we hear Paul's voice when, when, when we're reading these texts. He said over and over in scripture that, you know, it's my weakness. It's in my weakness that, that Christ is strong. It's in my weakness that I do these things. I have a thorn in the flesh and we've seen him. You see him through acts. He gets, he gets upset sometimes, you know, when the high priest had him smacked in the mouth when he started to give his defense, he got a little upset, you know, and so he, the difference between he and so many of us and myself included is that he knows where his power comes from. So what I want to do is I want to start in, I'm going to backtrack just a little bit and read uh, some verses we read last week, verses 18. I'm going to start right there. And he's saying in verse 18, we, we the ones before that, we did those last week where it says that people are preaching Christ because he's in bonds. And some of the people preaching Christ hate his guts and he's OK with that. He said, you know, as long as Christ is being preached, whatever, I'm, I, that's my purpose. That's my goal. And in verse 18, it says, what then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, he said, whether these guys are doing it in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And that last little phrase there, it says, and I therein do rejoice. He said, I'm rejoicing. He says, yea, and I will rejoice. 
Now, Paul has joy and he's rejoicing in the midst of being in prison in Rome, in the midst of all this. He's, he's not sure if he's going to get out alive. He's not sure if he's going to be executed. And this dude has joy in the midst of all this. You can think back to he and Silas in the jail in Philippi where they were singing. He's got joy in the midst of all of those things. And here I'm thinking, I just think that's strong. I'm just not that guy. I mean, I don't have the, I don't have the inner strength. I don't have the, the power within me to just be joyful no matter what goes on, no matter what circumstances I'm in, no matter what hardships, what trials, what tribulations, what things I have to go through. I'm not, I'm just not strong enough. Well, Paul, uh, maybe he's uh, anticipating that, but he's going to tell us in the next verse where his strength comes from. And he's going to show us the power, what it means to stand for Christ. That's what I'm going to be talking about today is what it means to stand for Christ in the midst of whatever's going on in your life, whatever's happening, what it means to stand for Christ. First, he's going to show us the power, where the power comes from, because you don't have it and I don't have it and none of us have it. It comes from the Holy Spirit within us. It comes from Jesus Christ himself. And he promised that power. It says in verse 19, he says, yeah, in last part of 18 says there and I do rejoice. Yeah, I will rejoice. And then he's telling us why he will rejoice in verse 19. He says, for I know that this shall turn out to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as with always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be life or whether it be death. And so he says, how am I going to be rejoicing? I'm going to be rejoicing, first of all, because you know what? I know that this is going to turn out to my deliverance. I know it's going to turn out to my salvation. He's saying, you know, probably most likely he's saying, I know I'm going to get out. I know I'm going to be okay. I know no matter what happens, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make it. But understand, he's not necessarily talking about, I'm going to be okay physically. I'm going to, they're, they're going to find me innocent. I'm not going to have to worry about dying for Christ. I'm not going to have to worry about those things. He's not necessarily talking about that because the very last part of that verse, he says, look, the thing that I know is going to happen is I'm, Christ is going to be magnified in my body. Now, if it means I have to die, It means whether I live or whether it be by life or whether it be by death, Christ is going to be magnified in my body. And that's a that's a um, it's a bold statement. It's something where he's saying, I mean, think about it now. We want to romanticize Paul's imprisonment and all that, but he's in prison. I mean, you can imagine being in prison. He's by this time, he's been in there three or four years, a couple of years in Caesarea, then the boat ride all the way through the end of Acts, all the way to Rome, shipwreck, all that kind of stuff going on. So he's been in custody for a pretty good long time now. And so he's saying, look, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I know I, I, I'm, I'm confident that I'm going to be delivered. But more than that, I'm confident that I'm going to be delivered because whether I am, whether I die or whether I live, I know that Christ is going to be magnified in my body. But look what he says at the very beginning. He knows where his power comes from. Look how he's going to be delivered. It says in verse 19, he says, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through what? Through your prayer and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. Paul didn't say, look, I know it's going to be okay. Why? Because I'm Paul. I'm Paul and I got it going on. Uh, there was a saying, you say, my name's Paul and that's all between y'all. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not in that deal. He's, he's not saying I'm the apostle Paul. Of course I'm going to make it. I'm stronger than all of y'all. I'm better than all of y'all. I'm, I'm doing things that all y'all ain't doing. 
No, he said, I know that this is going to turn out okay. It's going to turn out for my salvation, my deliverance, whether it be by life or by death. It doesn't matter. I'm going to magnify Christ in my body. And the power comes from two things. He says, uh, he says, your prayers. And he says, the supply, the help, the, the, uh, the, what's another word for supply? The supply, that's a good word. Y'all know what supply means. The supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. He says, that's where the power comes from. I'm going to be delivered through that. It's not because I'm so strong, not because I'm so great, not because I'm so much better than you. So you can look at your heart and you can say, I just don't know if I can handle that. I don't know if I could be in prison. I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could work when everything gets hard. I don't know if I can keep going when I get knocked down. I don't know if I can, I can keep on serving Christ when it seems like everything is against me and all these things are coming, uh, into my life. He says, the reality is you can't. He says, the power for it comes from the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ that is in you. He says two things. He says, number one, I'm going to be delivered through your prayers. I know that you're praying for me. I know that I know that you're with me and that should give us. I mean, if you think about that, I thought about that a little bit this week. Think about that for a minute. That's a powerful thing. God himself, the the one who created the universe, the one spun the stars in the sky, the one who speaks and stuff happens, the one who speaks things into existence. He hears and responds to the prayers of his bride. So sometimes it's, it's almost like a cliche. It's almost like a. You know, we'll, we'll pray for me. Okay, I'll pray for you. See you. It's almost like a something you say. You know, when when uh, when when somebody's going through something hard, and you say, "Well, well, I'm gonna pray for you." Sometimes they're like, "Well, I mean, ain't you gonna help me?" The reality is, there's nothing stronger that you can do. I mean, you tapping in to the God of the universe, you tapping in to Jesus Christ and Him crucified through His name. You are calling on the One who's in control of all these things. And he answers the prayers of his children. It says, if you, uh, if, if any of them sick, let, let him, let him call upon the elders, lay their hands on him and what? Anoint him with oil and pray. And he says, uh, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, it's going to avail a bunch. It's going to avail much. It's going to tap into God. It's going to reach his ears. He's going to respond when the bride prays to God. He's going to respond. And so it's not a little thing. It's a big, huge thing. It's an absolutely massive thing. He says, I know I'm going to be delivered. I know I'm going to be saved. I know he's talking about saved from the circumstances in. I know I'm going to be, this is going to end up for my salvation through your prayers. Because you are praying, you're, you're reaching God for me. You're, you're lifting my situation up before God. What could be more powerful than that? What can be more powerful when God's, when Christ's bride reaches out to him with a, with a need, with a call, with a supplication? Let your request be made known. Think about it if you've got a spouse, if you've got a wife or a, a husband, and your, your wife comes before you for somebody else and intercedes for you for somebody else. You know, it's happened to me a bunch. Dana will come and I'll, I'll be doing something wrong. I'll, Maybe have handled a situation wrong or dealing with somebody wrong. And she'll come and she'll say, you know what? They really didn't deserve that. You, you, you probably need to go to them. I mean, I mean, she's not telling me what to do, but, you know, it, it'd probably be right if you go to them and you just talk to them. Or, or it'd be probably right if you go and you try to fix that. Or it'd probably be right, you know, so-and-so, so-and-so's over there. They need a little help. You might want to go. You, let me tell you what. My wife has a whole lot more in my ear 
than a lot of you guys do. My wife has a whole lot of more in my ear than the guy down the road does who I don't know from Adam. My wife has a whole lot. She has more of my ear than all the people at work, all the people that are walking around Brownsville, all the people even that I know or I'm acquainted with. And the bride of Christ has the ear of God himself. The bride of Christ, when she speaks, when she calls, when she reaches out to God in prayer, God responds. He listens. He listens to his children, to his bride. You you can imagine it in a family setting. You listen to when your child has a need, you're going to bend over backwards in order to meet that need. You're going to do everything in your power to do that. Well, God's power is limitless and he's working all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So Paul says, look, I know this is going to work out. Even if I die, whether I live, I know Christ is going to be honored in my body because of your prayers and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ that is in me. Paul wasn't dependent on his own strength. Paul wasn't dependent on his own stuff. And if you look through Acts, you can see Paul doing a lot of things that are really powerful that are like, I mean, how you sing at midnight in the middle of a jail cell when you ain't sure what's going to happen? How do you deal? How do you get stoned to the point of death where everybody looking at you thinks you dead and you outside the city and you get up from that right there, walk 60 miles to the next city and start preaching again? How do you do those things? I mean, I, I can't wrap my mind around it. Paul was not Christ. He was a man just like me. He had sin just like me. He said, I'm the chief of sinners, Paul said. And so he had the same failings, the same faults, the same things that I have. The difference was he knew where his power come from. He knew that his power come from the spirit of Christ that lived in him, from the Holy Spirit that lived in him. And he depended on that spirit. He didn't walk in his flesh. He didn't walk in his own strength. He didn't walk in his own accomplishments or his own abilities or his own whatever. He understood that only the only power that he has is what he's been given by the spirit of Christ that lives in him. And so many times, I don't know about you guys, but so many times I I tend to just walk in what I think I can do. I can handle that. I can handle that. I ain't worried about that. And then when it gets tough, I'm like, I can't handle this. Usually, usually I'm not calling on the spirit's power until I'm darn sure that I'm backed into a corner and I can't do nothing about it. Rather than just rather than just walking in the spirit's power at all times, walking in the spirit, depending on him, trusting in him, knowing, you know, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to get through it, but I know I'm going to get through it because God's with me. He promised to never leave or forsake me. I don't know how I'm going to I'm going to how I'm going to stand in the midst of all this, but I know I'm going to stand because the spirit of God lives inside me. I don't know how I'm going to make it through, but I know I'm going to make it through because he promised that he'd be with me. And he said no weapon could form could come against me. So it's not just about it's not just about having it all together. It's not just about saying, you know what? I got a plan to get out of this thing. Once I get in it, it's not about understanding what I'm going to be doing. It's about trusting in the one who works all things according to his purpose. It's about trusting in the one who lives inside of me. And so Paul, he, he lets us know that there is a power to stand for Christ. Last week, after I left, we talked about being a witness. We talked about having joy in the midst of trials. We talked about all those things. And as I was pulling out of the parking lot, I'm thinking, you know, they might think, well, Paul was just a whole lot stronger than me. And I said, I probably need to, I probably need to correct that. I probably need to fix that. And as I was reading the next few verses, I said, well, there's where his power comes from right there. 
from the prayers of the people around him. Don't tell me fellowshipping with the saints ain't important. Are you kidding? He says his power is coming from their prayers, the spirit of God. He's there with him. He knows they're with him and he can stand because he has the power of God himself and the bride of Christ working together to make sure that he makes it through and stands for Christ. And when I say make it through, I'm not talking about just getting out and being good and everything's fine. The only thing he wants is to stand for Christ. That's all he wants, whether it's by his death whether it's by his life, no matter what happens, he just wants to stand. He wants to, he wants to honor Christ in his body, whether it be by life or whether it be by death. And so the power that the power to stand for Christ and all these things comes from the spirit of God. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it in your own strength. You can't do it on your, in your own flesh. And you'll catch yourself trying to do it in your own flesh, won't you? I know I do. You'll catch yourself and you'll say, why is this so hard? Why is this not working? And I'll say, oh, I know why it's working. I know why it's not working. God didn't call me to be Superman. He called me to be dependent and trust upon him. And it's in his power. It's in my weakness that his power is made, is that his strength is made strong, that his strength is magnified. And so if you look, verse 20, we just read that. In verse 21, he's going to give us the mindset and you could... I mean, you could take this sentence, this little bitty sentence, two words at a time and preach entire sermons about. It. So I'm not going to get to the, the whole entirety of what Paul's saying here, but it's short, it's profound and it's deep. This sentence describes his mindset. He says, look, I know that I'm, I know that whether, whether by death or whether by life, Christ is going to be magnified in my body. And he said, this is why for to me. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, I know you've heard that before. You've heard it over and over again. And it's so deep. You could take it a word at a time. He said, this is why I know. I know that Christ is going to be magnified in my body, whether I die or whether I live, no matter what happens. He says, for to me, this is his mindset. To me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, take those those first two words to me. He, that's his mindset. You understand I don't have to get out of Paul's in prison at this time. I don't have to get out of prison for everything to be okay. I don't have to get out of prison in order to honor Christ. He says to me, to me, to live is Christ. Whether I, if I live, if I get out of the prison, if they come today and open the prison door and let me out and say, you know what? We're not going to mess with all this. Forget it, Paul. Just go on ahead. Then I'm still going to be going and serving Christ. I'm still going to be facing beatings. I'm still going to be facing persecutions. For me, living is Christ. Living is Christ. And understand, it's not just, it's not just doing the right things. It's not just making sure that I got, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm following the letter of the law and I'm, I'm making sure that I'm doing this and doing that. And I'm, I'm making sure that I get my prayers in every day. I'm making sure I'm reading my Bible every day. It's not, no, no. He's chasing a person. He said, look, to live is Christ. It's not about Christ or it's not working for Christ. All those things come into play. And if you are chasing after Christ, those things will be in your life. Nothing wrong with those. The Holy Spirit will make sure that you are doing those things. But understand, he said, my life, if I live, if I go on living in this body, 
it's going to be about Christ. He's not chasing worldly pleasure. He's not hoping that he gets out of jail so he can retire and have ease. He's not looking for comfort. He's not looking for worldly riches. He's not looking for pleasure. He's not even looking for uh, for comfort in the fact that he's not getting beaten and whipped and, and put in jail and stoned and shipwrecked and all those things that happen to Paul. He's not chasing after anything in this world. He's not looking for anything in this world at all. He is chasing after Christ. He says, look, whether I live, whether I die, Christ is going to be honored in my body. Why? For to me, in my mind, in my heart, in my life, living means Christ. Living means I am. He is my focus. He is my sender. He's my purpose in life. We talked about that a little last week. We talked about the purpose of your life, the perspective that you look at things. Why do some trials just knock you down so bad and you see other people that are just, they can stand through anything. It's because their perspective is whether I live or whether I die, life is Christ. My life is, is eat up with Christ. I'm serving him. If he has called me over to Africa, I'm going to serve him in Africa. If he's called me to work as an electrician down the road in this company, I'm going to serve him as an electrician in that company. If he's called me to wherever else he's called you, if he's called me to be in a, in a family that has lots and lots of problems, I'm going to serve Christ in that family. You know, I'm going to be praying that everything goes good and I'm going to be hoping and praying and waiting and all those things. But while I'm there, he He's called me to be a witness right there. He's called me to be an example right there. I'm chasing after him. Paul said it himself. The only thing I want is to know him in the power of his resurrection. The only thing that I'm after is to know him more, that I would be able to know him, that I would be able to follow him, that I would be able to chase after him. My life My life, he says, is Christ. Now, they're all thinking just like you and I would be thinking. If I'm writing this letter to Paul and say, Paul, what's going on to you? And Paul writes me a letter back. I'd be thinking, you know, we just want you out of prison. We want you out of the rat trap. We want you out. We want you to be able to go and do what you want to do. And, and, you know, if you want to keep on ministering, you go right ahead and do those things. We want you out. Paul is saying, look, whether I'm out or whether this ends in my death, my life is Christ. Understand something today, just for as a side note. We've seen in this letter so far, Paul has joy in the midst of sitting in a Roman prison, waiting on his trial. And you might ask, how does he have all that joy? The reason that he can have joy no matter what he goes through is because his life is Christ. Christ is everything in his life. And until you understand That until your focus is Christ, your purpose of your life is Christ, the perspective that you see everything through is Christ, the the reason you get up in the morning is Christ, the reason you go to bed at night is Christ, the reason that you're walking around breathing on this planet is for Christ. Until you recognize that, you'll never have joy. You'll never have joy in your trials because every time a trial hits, you'll just want to be out of the trial. Why? Because I'm not living for Christ. I'm living to be comfortable. I'm living to be at ease. I'm living to not have pain and, and trial and to go through tragedy. And I, I'm living to not have uh, bad circumstances happen. That's what I'm living for. I just want everything to be okay. Paul's saying, look, everything is okay, even if it's not okay, because Christ is why I'm living. 
To live is Christ. If I go on living in this body, if I get out, if I if I'm able to leave this prison cell and go back to the routines of life, all the things I'm doing, I'm not going to change anything. Listen, I'm not going to change anything from me sitting right here. Let's say it's a Monday and Paul's sitting in prison on Monday and he's writing away at this this letter to the Philippians, writing is about to send it to him he, on Monday. He's sitting in prison and he's chained to a Roman soldier. He says, if I get out on Tuesday, nothing in my life will change. If I'm walking the streets of Rome tomorrow, free as a bird, don't have to worry about this stuff anymore. Nothing in my life's going to change. My life is still going to be about Christ. My life is Christ right here. As I sit in this prison cell, my life will be Christ. If I go out into the, into, into Rome and I'm free and everything's fine. Understand, he says, The perspective, the mindset that's able to stand in the midst of trial, in the midst of these tribulations is a mindset that is focused upon Christ. He is the purpose. I don't live for my stuff. I don't live for my family. I don't live for my my health, my happiness, my what. I don't live for none of that stuff. I live for Christ because all that other stuff could get taken in an instant. The one thing that will always be that will always be steadfast, unmovable, is that Christ died for your sins. Christ lives in you and Christ is the one that we're going to stand before and be with for all eternity. He says to live, to live is Christ. But then he comes behind that and he says, and you know what? If they kill me, I'm going to be better off anyway to die. To die for me is gain. Now, you know, the Philippians are like, Paul, what are you doing? How how are you going to make it through? What's going to happen to the what's going to happen to you? Oh, we're praying hard for you. We're praying. And that's a good thing. That's where the power comes from. But he says, look, if they kill me, sayonara, I'll see y'all later. I'll be glad. I'll be glad to die is gain. Understand, he's saying, look, I mean, if if you're that's a hard thing for you to say, for some people to say, because if you're living for this world, if you're living for your family, if you're living for, you know, good things, I'm not talking about running out, you know, after money or idols or all. I'm talking about if you're living for just comfort to get out of bad situations, to be at ease, to have a good life. To, if you're living for those things, dying is not gain. I promise you. Because I, I want to stay here as long as I can and I want to get all I can and all those things. I, I've got these, uh, this, this whole last two weeks, I, I, have, I have like chest pain and they're still checking it. I, I had one test come back okay, but they got something else. I got to go to another doctor, whatever. I know. And, you know, I'm one of them people that like automatically I'm like, it's the worst things possible. And, um, you know, to be honest, I'm just like, y'all, I'll be like, well, I need to go to the doctor. I'm not I'm not playing around. You know, I, I, I meet people all the time who say if I'd have just caught it early, you know what I mean? I was like, I'll, I'm catching it today. The doctor was like, well, look, we'll get you an appointment three. We'll get you in three weeks. I'm like, oh, no, you got to get me in right now. You got to come. In. I'm coming in right now. <clears throat> but understand through through this, through through reading and studying through this. You know, if you, you need to sometime, it's a good exercise. Get yourself where, where ain't nobody around and you in the dark and there ain't nothing, you know, you maybe laying in bed waiting to go to sleep and you put yourself in that position. It's like, okay, this is it. This is my last. I mean, put yourself in that position. I'm in the hospital. This is it. They saying I, they can't do nothing. 
I'm dying. And then see how, see how your heart feels. See how your heart deals with, can you say that to die is gain? Now, I'm not ready to jump on the bus right now. You know, I'm not ready. I'm not saying, look, I'm going to go out there and run out in traffic just so I can go and be with Jesus. But I got to praying and got to worrying and got to all these things and I'm laying there. And I, you know what? For me to die is gain. You know, I want to hang out with Sophie until she grows up. But you know what? God's a better father than me. He can take care of that. I want to hang out with my family. I want, you know, I got things I want to do. But, you know, God can take care of that. And then I got to thinking about what God said. I'm not talking about junk in my own mind. What he said about heaven. What he said about being with him. And to die is gain. I mean, it would be good to go. It would be good to go. It would be good to to go away and to be with him. Paul says, in fact, he explains himself. Let me read the next two verses. He explains what it means to live as Christ, to die as gain. He says, but if I live in the flesh, he says, if I keep on living, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I choose, he said, what I choose, I want not means I don't know what I'm going to choose. 23 says, for I'm a straight betwixt the two, having a desire to depart. To be with Christ, which is far better. He doesn't just say, you know what? It'd be okay if I die. He said, I'd rather go. It's better that I look. I know y'all are praying for me. Thank y'all. I appreciate that. But it'd be better. It'd be better for me if I go because I get to be with Christ. Now, think about the mindset. We talked about living for Christ. If Christ is who you love, if Christ is who you live for, if Christ is who you're longing for, who you're serving, then duh. It would be better to go and be with Christ. If that's who you love, if that's who you're living for, if that's your purpose, then of course it would be better. It would be better to go and be with him. That's what he's saying here. He said, look, you guys need to understand my thinking on this. Look, if it's, if I go on living in the flesh, that means more labor, more fruitful labor. And I'm ready to do it. I'm excited to do it. I'm serving Christ. I've been uh, made a servant of Christ. He's ordained me an apostle. That's what Paul would say. And he says, that's my life. That's exactly what I'm here for. That's what I'm going to be doing. It's more fruitful labor for me. Labor for me. I'm not going to just, they're not just going to let me out. And I'm going to go relax somewhere in Rome and hang out the rest of my life. If they let me out, I go on living in the flesh. It means fruitful labor because I'm going to be laboring for Christ until I go. He said, but look. If I go on, I really want, he said, I I don't even know which one I'd rather do, to be honest with you, because I want to go on. I want to be with Christ. It is far better. I got to thinking when I was going through my little deal, I'm kind of a nail biter anyway. When I was going through my little deal, I got to thinking, he said it was better. I mean, he said, this guy's chained to a Roman at any time. At this time, Nero was a Caesar and he's crazy as a day is long. So it's a good chance Paul's going to get killed right here. And so he's chained to this Roman. He's not sure he's going to make it at any moment. He could have his quote unquote trial and die. And this guy's in jail thinking, man, I wish they'd hurry up. I wish they'd hurry up and get this done because it's far better. It's far better for me. It's far better for me to go on and to to be with Christ. To be with Christ is gain. To die and be with Christ is gain. And I I can keep on going on that. But the last thing I need to hurry, we're about about eight minutes out. The last thing I want to show you is in verse uh, 25 and 26, 24 through 26. It's the practice of standing for Christ. We've seen where he gets his power from. 
We've seen the mindset that, you know what, if I live, I'm going to be served. If I die, man, whew, it's a whole lot better for me. So it's okay. Everything's fine. His joy can be fulfilled in the midst of his trial. And he said, the last thing we're going to read is verse 24 through 26. He said, nevertheless, he said, to abide in the flesh, to keep on living, is more needful. Now, he said, it's far better to go for me. It's far better for me. He said, but for me to stay here in this world, dealing with all I'm dealing with, is really more needful. It's more needful for who? For me? Not for me. For you. That's what he said to the Philippians. He says, having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue where? With you. With you all for your furtherance of the uh, furtherance and joy of faith that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Understand, standing for Christ is really what we're talking about. The power to stand for Christ, the mindset that stands for Christ. Standing for Christ doesn't just mean holding fast to his will in the midst of trial. That's part of it. That's, that's a major part of standing for Christ. When you think of those phrase, standing for Christ, you're thinking standing against those who would want to make me deny Christ or make me to uh, uh, disavow what the Bible says or those kind of things. But look what standing for Christ meant right here to Paul. It meant those things, but it meant standing with the bride of Christ. Do you understand? Do you see what he says? Look, Understand, he's sitting in a prison now, and he's saying, I'd rather just go on. I mean, if I live, then Christ. But I'm really not sure which one I'd rather do, because to go on and to be with him, that's better, it's far better. He says, but it's more needful for you that I stay. It's not more needful for me. It's not, oh, I really hope I get out so I can come and hang out with y'all and y'all can... No, it's more needful for you that I stay. And he said, and I have this confidence in verse 25. I know that I shall, two things, abide and continue with you. Don't tell me fellowship with the believers is not important. Paul said, I'd rather go and be with Christ, but it's more important that I stay and abide and continue with you. It's more important that I be involved with you. It's more important that I invest my life in you. So the furtherance of your joy and the furtherance of your faith, it's more important that I work for Christ in you and with you and I abide and continue with you. You can't convince me in a million years that fellowship and service in in the bride of Christ is not important when Paul says, I would rather go. I would rather go to heaven, but I have to stay here for you. I have to stay here to abide with you and continue with you. I have to stay here because it's more needful for you that I be here. Let me ask you. Is it needful for you to stay here with the bride? I mean, you guys ain't in Philippi. You ain't in Rome. You right here at Christ Church. Thank you all for being here this morning. Is it more needful? I mean, if. Is it needful for you to be here? Does anybody need you to be here? Understand, understand. I'm not saying that you got to, you know, vacuum the floor and do all that kind of stuff. I'm saying, no, that'd be good, but I ain't saying that. I'm saying, I'm not talking about they're, you know, they're painting the walls and all that right now. I'm talking about, look, 
does this guy over here, this lady over here, need you over here to be here? Does this guy, this family over here, need you to be here? Understand that when we're talking about, Paul is not saying, you know, I'm, it's more needful for me to be there because I'm Paul and y'all need me hanging out and y'all, you know, I'll be able to answer all your questions and all that kind of stuff. He's not talking about that at all. He's talking about loving one another. He's talking about investing his life in one another. He's not just talking about, not just talking about helping them, you know, whatever. He's talking about being, being in fellowship with one another, loving them, discipling them, uh, you know, so-and-so over here is going through a hard time. I'm going to be with them. I'm going to weep when they weep. Uh, so-and-so over here is rejoicing. I'm going to rejoice when they rejoice. Understand that this, the idea of just coming and I, I put in my hour this week and I did what God want me to do. That, that's so far from what the New Testament's talking about. He says here, look, I mean, I, I know I'm not explaining it right. I know I'm not explaining it good enough. But he says, he said, listen, I would rather, I would rather go and be with Christ. I would rather this end up in my head getting cut off and I go to be with Christ. He says, but it is more important. It's more needful for you that I stay with you. It's more needful that I abide and continue with you. It's more needful that we are together. It's more needful that we're growing together as the bride of Christ, as the body of Christ. He says it's more needful. Standing for Christ is not just about holding fast to Jesus's name in the front of the army or front of the police or, or front of the, the people who call you hate mongers and all those things. It, that's a huge part of it. So I, I'm please don't think I'm saying that's not part of standing for Christ. It surely is. But standing for Christ right here in Paul's own language, it's not just that he is standing for Christ right in front of a right in front of Caesar, right in front of the Romans, right in front of the the, the biggest power in the world at that time. He is doing that. But he says standing for Christ is not just about that. It's about standing with the bride of Christ. When you look at those that stand for Christ in the New Testament, they are never standing all by themselves for Christ. They're standing with a body of believers, a fellowship of believers. They're standing with with the church. They're standing with the bride of Christ and they're standing shoulder to shoulder. Even I mean, you can go through passage after passage after passage after passage. The the all the verbs in the passage about putting on the armor of God where it says put on the helmet, put on the all those verbs are plural. They're not singular. They're plural. That means that it's not talking about a single lone soldier standing with his shield and his sword. It's talking about an army of soldiers that are together putting on the, the, the armor of God that are getting ready to go and charge the gates of hell that will not overcome them, that will not come against them and prosper. They're, they're together fighting for Christ, standing for Christ. Paul is saying, look, It just astounded. It astounds me. I'm telling you it's better to go be with Christ. And I'm telling you I'd rather go be with Christ. But I'm also telling you that I have to stay because the body of Christ needs me. The body of Christ needs me. It's more needful for you that I stay. If I stay, go on living in the flesh, it just means more fruit of my labor. I'd rather go. 
it's better to go. He said, which is far better. But it's more needful for you that I stay. Understand that is a that's a view of fellowship with the brethren, investing yourself with the church that that I hadn't tapped into yet. I mean, I've talked about fellowship with brethren. I've talked about it a lot. And I know that you probably have heard it a lot. But can you imagine a man saying, I know it's way better to go. And to be honest with you, I'd rather go. But fellowship with the bride, investing myself, service in the bride of Christ is so important that I'm going to stay. It's not as if he, you know, God's got all that in his hand, but he was saying it's more needful for me to stay than for me to go. Why? Because the body of Christ is important. Don't tell me, boy, don't tell me, well, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Don't tell me you don't have to fellowshipping with the bride is not important. Don't tell me investing. Are you kidding me? Are you insane? Paul said, it's better for me to go and I'd rather go, but I have to stay. It's more needful that I stay with you. Standing for Christ is standing with Christ's bride. It's standing with his people. So today, the question is really, are you standing for Christ? I mean, I know you're not an apostle. I know you ain't in prison. More than likely, nobody's going to come try to cut your head off today. Nobody's going to come try to shoot you if you don't profess. I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible, but more than likely, it's probably not going to happen. Wherever you, I mean, you got teachers, you got electricians, plumbers, carpenters, doctors, whatever it is that you do. Are you standing for Christ? That means that you are that you understand that your power comes from the Holy Spirit. You're not doing it in your own strength, so you have no reason to boast, but you have no reason to fear either. You don't have to worry about where your power comes from because it comes from the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself said, look, when they haul you in, don't worry about what you're going to say. You just open your mouth. Spirit lives in you. will tell you what you say. You'll be given what to say. The, the second thing is, is your mind set on following Christ? Following Christ. Is your mind set? To live is Christ and to die is gain. And so no matter what happens, I'm in Christ. If I die, I'm in Christ. If I live, I'm in Christ. And the third thing is, are you standing with the bride? Are you standing with the bride of Christ? Are you standing in fellowship, investing yourself in the bride of Christ? Those three things really spoke to me this week. I know I haven't, I haven't probably explained them, definitely hadn't explained them the way they come to me this week, but... Those three things is what it means to stand for Christ. You understand that your power comes from the spirit. You understand that Christ is who you're chasing. It's not about Christ. It's not this for Christ and that for Christ. It's Christ himself. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what you're chasing. I can have joy in the midst of whatever because I'm not chasing. I'm not chasing good times and ease and comfort. I'm chasing Christ. And the third thing is, there is, I can't stress this enough, there is nothing more important in the life of a believer than standing with the bride of Christ. I was talking to a preacher this week, Brother Eddie. He said, this is what he said, I didn't even prompt him. I didn't tell him nothing. He don't know nothing about what I'm preaching or nothing. That was just conversation. He said, he said, I've noticed, and he's been a preacher for like 20 years or 22 years or something. He said, I've noticed he said that the people that are always 
needing stuff, needing the most, hurting the most, going through the most that are coming to him. We all go through stuff, but that are coming to him. The people that are just needing all the time are the people that refuse to invest themselves in the body. They refuse to tithe to God's plan and purpose in their local church. And they refuse to be involved in the mission and the ministry of the local church. Whether it's this church, that church, the other church. He said those three things. And I think I agree with it. I think it's true. He said the people that are the most, the most needy, the most coming with all the problems and they can't handle it. And I need you to come and help me are the people that are not, that are not doing, are not taking the medicine that God has given them to take. He said, this is your body. This is your, this is your fellowship. This is your family. They're going to weep with you when you weep. They're going to aid you. They're going to rejoice with you when you rejoice. <clears throat> they're going to build you up. They're going to be strength when you need it. They're going to be, uh, they're going to be a help to you when you need help. They're, you're going to be called to help others and be, be the strength for others. You're going to call to be invested in all of their lives because Christ died to save them and he loves them just like he loves you and the world and all those that he bled and died for. And when you forsake the fellowship of believers, you are given away. You're given away the strength that he has provided for you to live in this world for him. And so the questions today is, are you invested in the bride? Are you striving after Christ? And if your power don't come from him, then you ain't got none. And that's the only way that you're going to have joy in this life. It's the only way you're going to have joy that will stand in the midst of whatever goes on. Today, if you don't know him, he said, you come to me, all you weary and heavy laden. If you don't know Christ and you're not striving in Christ's power, I promise you, you burdened today. You heavy laden today. I can't imagine, can't imagine somebody more heavy laden than trying to do all this in their own flesh. I can't imagine somebody more burdened and heavy laden than trying to do it all by themselves without the bride of Christ. I can't imagine that. He said, look, if you're burdened, weary, heavy laden, you come to me, Christ said, and I will give you rest. Today, if you need to be saved, you call out upon it. Father, we love you. We come before you today thanking you for your word. Thank you for